sex, violence, and more sex and violence, worlds explode with Terror Salter, O-M-W-O-T, One Man, War on Terror, and X-Women. You're listening to A Kind of Garbage, Comic Edition. So, Cody, this is the first edition of comic books for the podcast. This episode, I asked you to take a look at one of my, not favorite comic books, but favorite artists that drew this comic, and it's X-Women. What did you think? I loved it. I, uh, I, I'm i not too familiar with uh, Milo Manara. I've, I've seen his work, but I've never read like a, a full book worth of his work or one of his full stories. It's a it's an X-Men story written by Chris Claremont with the pencils done by Milo and the colors, which I really loved by Dave Stewart. It starts off like a very traditional X-Men comic where it establishes the roster of X-Men that it's going to focus on in this story, which just happens to be a lot of the main uh, women from the X-Men universe. It does start off like a traditional X-Men book where it has them kind of at odds with a a group of humans fighting, but it kind of descends quickly into a kind of like a 70s cliche women in prison movie where they find an excuse pretty quickly to have them marooned on an island and and placed in cages and chained up. It definitely has like a kind of an exploitation film feel to it, which I thought was really interesting to see done with superhero characters. Yeah, it's 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 funny because when you you read it, you would think that Milo wrote it himself, but it wasn't. It was Christopher Claremont. And that's like one of the not a twist for me, because every single time I look at it, I'm like, yeah, this is something Milo would do. But then you remember it was Chris Claremont that wrote it. Yeah, you're right. Like it, it really seems right up Milo's alley for like, like there's a lot of costume changes and a lot of reasons to have like the like Storm or Shadow Cat or Psylocke kind of chained up and put into these like kind of like a change of power situations where the book starts off with them superheroes but and powerful but then halfway through they lose their powers and they're chained up to like um, someone who wants to use them as slaves yeah i know that um i I mentioned to you that with milo's art style some of the characters look almost interchangeable where you'll you'll be reading it and you'll forget who is who and thankfully like storm psylocke shadow cat they all have a look to them that separates them from each other because if all of them were just like blonde women like blonde white women you wouldn't be able to tell them apart and that's just like that's a nice aesthetic that milo has in his artwork you can tell all of them apart yeah it's really yeah it is neat to see i know in the last couple of years milo's kind of been dragged out a few times um just on him drawing female anatomy like i remember there was a spider woman cover that he kind of got called out over for it having like really distorted female anatomy which i kind of think is weird because reading this book especially with it kind of it having a feel like a really traditional 90s x-men comic with them going on an adventure in like uh some exotic land it really had like a 90s feel, but it didn't have that 90s extreme visual aesthetic to it of like, you know, all the women are super thin and have super long legs and everyone's fighting in razor sharp high heels. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that like the anatomy work was actually subdued in this 
which I think is funny just because it, it's it's Milo and that's kind of what he's famous for now. Obviously, I, I think you're right when you say that like Chris Claremont wrote this specifically for Milo because like I don't want to say bondage, but it is like a central theme to the book. Like the, the book opens up with them rescuing an imprisoned woman and then them becoming imprisoned, the rescuers becoming imprisoned by someone else and then going to rescue a different imprisoned Marvel girl and Emma Frost. So it definitely, you're right, like it does seem geared right towards Milo's style of like exploitation and and like women in peril. <laughs> what was uh, what was something that made that made you want to recommend this book? Like, what's something that you really liked about this book, Adam? The biggest thing would definitely be the art style. Um, just the way it's drawn. The story, of course, like you said, that it's like an exploitation movie from the seventies. Yeah, that <laughs> you'd almost think that Marvel would say like, "Hey, don't draw them like." too sexualized because even in this they're barely wearing any clothes like storm has a pair of jeans that are the lowest riding jeans possible and at some points it looks like psylocke is just wearing a sweater and no like she does have pants on rogue is running around with daisy duke shorts and a bra and then storm has what like it looks like drapery maybe <laughs> and then some jewels <laughs> around her i just can't imagine that marvel would ever ask miles like hey will you come back and draw another comic for us because I, I don't know how well this sold. It was just a one shot. And I grabbed this book off the rack when it was brand new, just because I recognized the art style. I was like, hey, it's Milo. Like, I'll grab this. And I probably paid like five bucks. And now it is a comic that relatively people are looking for because of the artwork inside. Yeah, that was something the art you're right is kind of the highlight of the book because i would say unlike a traditional x-men comic where you might establish it with an action scene or you might establish the book with like maybe the x-men in civilian clothes and then something happening and then you have you know the scene of the x-men getting ready to go into battle this book does have like a lot of it jumps around from like it jumps around from like location to location. And every time we're introduced to a new location, Milo isn't afraid to like change up what they're wearing. So you go from it introducing the X-Men and they're in their like Milo's version of the X-Men uniform and the characters recognizable costumes. And we go from that to we jump back to kind of say how the X-Men got into the the situation they're in. And it's them uh, in Greece. And I think they're in like bathing suits on jet skis. So then you have my, uh, you have Milo drawing them all in swimsuits. And then it cuts to a nightclub in Greece and you have Milo drawing them all in like nightclub wear. And then they end up getting kidnapped, coming up with a rescue plan. And then you see kind of like the the makeshift clothing that they have to wear that they're that like the that their captors are making them wear. And then Storm ends up kind of getting chosen to be like the main captors love interest. So she kind of gets singled out and then Storm ends up getting drawn wearing like this really elaborate kind of like some sort of like ex exotic dress. Like it's Milo is not afraid to like really change up how the characters were looking, which considering this is it's one comic, it's one story. And I think the characters all go through four costume changes. I thought that was really interesting. The costumes definitely are the best part. My absolute favorite scene from the book is 
it just automatically remind me of the scene from Escape from L.A. where these paragliders come in out of nowhere. <laughs> like literally, it's just like a snake pliskin up there because they just swoop in and then um, they start fighting them. They boost Shadow Cat up. She grabs a paraglider down. That scene, I just really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, like you're right. Like it, the action scenes in it are 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 pretty great. Like Milo does a, he did a really good job on kind of drawing like the X-Men action, which was interesting to see his take on like, kind of like the, you know, like the nineties superhero. I really got a, I really, really liked the colors in this. Like I really liked uh, Dave Stewart's work with when it's drawing, uh, when they're trying to rescue Marvel girl and they sneak in and storm creates like a giant rainstorm to cover the rescue and everything's drawn like very gray and it's all very muted colors to make everything look like really damp and wet that looked really nice and then when it cuts to when they're in Greece like it's 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 really colorful and vibrant with like the sunset and everything like that like it's it's just a really good coloring work even at the um the end of the book <laughs> Like it's, I, I can't remember if it's um if they're still in the jungle, but they're all just like wearing skimpy outfits, dancing, and Psylocke and Kitty Pryde are like are dancing together with the other girls, but those two are like rubbing their butts against each other, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah, <laughs> it's funny. And I know that um we talked about it the the afterward at the end by Joe Casada. Yeah, the Joe Casada has a little afterward, uh, like two paragraphs where he basically says. Everyone at Marvel hates Milo because he refuses to draw superhero comics and he kind of doesn't work with Marvel. But anytime they've worked with him, he just basically like turns in solid gold. His work is just incredible and they just they all hate him because they wish that he would work with them all the time. It's not that he hates him because of his work. He hates it that he won't work with them all the time. If if Milo did like an X series book, I'd be like, I would I would read it. I would buy that. I would get on a poll list if he just had like a massive run because his art is so good yeah like i think i really like uh milo's work i don't know if i'd be too drawn to him doing a superhero book but i think now like kind of seeing the just kind of seeing his take on like obviously the x-men were from before the 90s but like seeing his take on like the 90s x-men i thought that was really interesting like how he brought like exploitation into it and he had a lot of fun with the costumes which i think was a big element to, to the 90s x-men of why they were so popular was the characters all had these really iconic looks to them so i i kind of I thought it was neat. I, I don't think I'd be interested in reading any other superhero book by Milo, but seeing his take on 90s X-Men, I'm like, this really, this really gels together. Like, this really works. So, Adam, the book I recommended to you is a book I stumbled across by accident and fell in love with called Terror Assaulter, One Man War on Terror by Benjamin Mara, uh, written and illustrated by him. Uh, what did you think of my recommendation? I absolutely love the book. <laughs> it's nonstop action. There's tons of like nudity and sex scenes, just stuff that you don't see every day in comics. I mentioned to you that the dialogue and all the narrative is written at like a second grade level, not of like how simple it is, just how short and to the point it is. When there's a, when there's dialogue between two people, it's like, Hey, I'm here to go somewhere. The person's like, okay. And then he's like, I'm exiting the door. Like they're very, they, they say what they're doing in most of the dialogue. Like 
it's almost like you're reading for the visually impaired. <laughs> yeah, the that's something I really loved, especially like it drew me in at the start was like the dialogue is insane. Like it almost prefaces the action like his dialogue to the bad guy is I'm going to punch you. And then he just punches him like <laughs> it's uh, it's insane. Like I said, he'll say, like, I'm going to punch you, and he'll, like, punch a guy in the throat, and then the bad guy's like, oh, you punched me in the throat, my neck is broken. (laughs) (laughs) So, the one-man war on terror is an operative from the group, I guess the group is the Terror Salters, that was formed by George W. Bush after 9-11, and it's to stop terrorists from attacking the United States. And basically, the character looks like an action figure. When you see them moving throughout the the comic, they, they look like action figures too they have like seven points of articulation their knees their elbows their hands their hips just they're very wooden but it looks really good and the artwork kind of reminds me of early mike judge just super simplistic faces and shadows and that's not a knock on it whatsoever like it it really works for the style that he's going for i I think what i loved about the art style was like the the premise of the comic is just like the childish approach towards like global politics and like how we have to deal with terrorists so like it's almost like post 9-11 it's almost like a child came up with the policy where it's like we'll blow everyone up before they have a chance to maybe blow us up and then we just won't care about the consequences the art style like matches that childish approach where it literally looks like a child illustrating like what a child thinks like we should do to keep our country safe so it's just a guy running into buildings and like shooting everyone kicking people out of windows and everything is drawn like really flat and there's not a lot of perspective like the perspective Perspective changes in this book is what I love is because there's entire sequences just drawn from like flat head on perspective. And then when it goes to try to get stylized, the perspective is like whenever there is a perspective change, the anatomy is all thrown out of whack because it's just showing like the artist like just doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) There's a scene where the main character and uh, he's chasing a Jeep. I'm oh, sorry, not chasing a Jeep. He's chasing a car and they go over a jump for no reason. Inside the car was like the damsel in distress, which she falls out of it, just smacks the ground. He gets into another car that he hijacks. She thanks him for saving his life. And he's like, you can pay me back by having dinner with me. Drops her off at the at her apartment and then... He's like, I'll, I'll come back later. And then when he visits her, he literally just goes in there. They're having a talk. And then she starts taking off her clothes. And I think this this is the first like sex and nudity scene in the book where it comes out of nowhere. It's in a way that she starts undressing and then you flip the page and all of a sudden like, oh, there's her boobs. And then he just turns her around and pulls down her underwear and just starts like licking her. And she's like, yeah. And he starts taking off his clothes. The sex scenes are literally drawn as if like it's something that like a like a kid in grade seven like scribbled in the back of like a science textbook (laughs) there is there's like no artistic value to it at all it's just incredibly like obscene and graphic and it's apps and it but it's drawn as if it's written as if it's romantic or seductive but just the way it's drawn is just like so childish and obscene and like that juxtaposition is just so funny that's basically this is the trade paperback so the first issue is just he gets a girl and bangs her at the 
end and he kills a bunch of people. The second issue though is the plane hijacking where he's on a plane smoking cigarettes. It gets hijacked by terrorists and then he proceeds to kill a bunch of them and starts shooting like the passengers of the plane at the same time. Yeah. And they're all like, watch it, you're shooting us. And he's just like, and he just continues to shoot them. But the highlight in, in this one is he picks up a guy that he saves and goes to the cockpit, kills the terrorists, and he starts flying the plane. And then magically his dick falls out of his pants and the guy he saves is like, hey, your dick fell out. He's like, put your mouth on it. And then you just get this like five page sex scene of him and this guy <laughs> having sex as they're landing a plane that's now blown up, blown in half. And they're in the front and the guy's just like, uh, we're coming at the same time as you crash land the plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that like by the time I got to that scene, I think I had set the book down like three times just so I could like I was cry I was absolutely in tears. I'm like, this is the most insane thing I've ever read in my life. It's this he's written and drawn this huge action sequence of like a, a giant passenger jet crash landing because the pilot's dead. And it keeps cutting to like this plane like skidding off the runway and catching on fire and passengers screaming. And then it just keeps cutting to him having yeah sex with just another guy in the cockpit i like for no reason like it's just it's just so out of place and so obscene and so funny there's a couple of other like little stories but i think the biggest one is and this is gonna get to the end of the book one of the people that he meets gets a sex change while in jail and then takes him to court saying that he's the father of her child and then the judge is like you're the father of the child dna test and he sentences the guy to marry the woman it's like now you're you're her husband and that's your kid and as they leave he's like you're this you're a, you're a traitor agent and then she's like yep i had a sex change while i'm in prison this kid is a clone that i got from your dna and they literally just start living their lives he's he just accepts it yeah it it, it sets up this whole story that someone who's trying to get revenge on him has gone like has made this elaborate plan to like basically infiltrate his private life to kind of like attack him when he's least ex uh, expecting it but then it just turns into they just start a relationship <laughs> And that's just goes into him like living his life at, I guess, his office job where he's just the coolest guy. Everyone's like, you're so fucking cool. And then the one guy's just like, you're the coolest. You're the coolest. And he goes, but you, man, you're the fucking King Wolf. And then they just start making out. And then the two guys go to the bathroom <laughs> and have just more sex in there, which then right afterwards, they go to the clip the strip club and he's just like that girl up there she likes you i can tell and then he goes to a private room and just starts fingering her butt and having sex with her and then he gets home to his wife and she's like it's like i know you're having sex with other people she starts crying and then he just opens up her shirt she's like my breasts are exposed and we have to establish that like so he's basically the book is now setting up that he's He's cheating on his wife and his wife is like basically calling him out on his infidelity. But his wife is a double agent who's supposed <laughs> who's supposed to be enacting this huge plan to like infiltrate his life to get back at him. But now they've just like they just have this mundane life where like he's cheating on her and now she's distraught that she's being cheated on like. But his wife, yeah. is, like his wife is supposed to be killing him because his wife is secretly uh, the man he sent to prison like years ago. It's 
it's absolutely insane. Which is funny that she's like, I know you're having sex with other people because beforehand they go to a department store and he's buying her lingerie to make it easier to have sex with her. And then he has sex with the lady who's helping them purchase it. And she's just like, I like to watch. So I like I don't know why she's getting all upset. Afterwards, they want to go shopping at a mall and somebody steals his parking spot and he proceeds to beat him up. And his wife's like, he's a community leader. Stop. Then he just like walks over the person's by, looks into the sunset. And I is it King Arthur? He's just staring. He's staying, staring at a vision of King Arthur. <laughs> and then the book ends. And that's it. And around that last page, you're just like, what? Not only the best thing about the book is the whole time you're reading it, you're thinking to yourself, what am I reading? at the end when you see the image of king arthur above the sun you you literally just say to yourself what the fuck did i just read it's over 100 pages but it feels like five minutes go by because of how much dialogue there is and it's mainly just action but it's it's just such a good read it starts off as like the life of this secret agent guy who's getting back at terrorists for 9-11 and then it, it literally ends with his nemesis is now his wife and they've completely abandoned pa- plans to get back at one another and they're just living this like weird suburban life with like weird sex scenes in her cut between he yeah he just he, it's like his instead of saving the world from terrorists it's just him punching people in a parking lot and then just looking into the sunset like this is my life to be fair the one thing that we did skip over is after he saved a bunch of hostages president bush takes them to meet the lizard people luminati Um, oh yeah i I almost forgot about that and they give him like billions of dollars and he just looks at them and walks out. So I was, I'm sitting there thinking, is that him rejecting the money or him just being like, oh, okay. Cause like his job is done. The lizard people with hoods gave him money. There's no, there is no like. Yeah. They're wearing like this weird Illuminati. Yeah. It's, it's trying to establish that there is like an Illuminati running the country, but the Illuminati. Giant lizard people. <laughs> yeah. It's literally like the most cartoonish, every conspiracy theory rolled into one, like the Illuminati. Illuminati are like the lizard people that never evolved that secretly run the world underground and (laughs) yeah it's amazing like every couple of pages in this book it introduces like a new plot beat where you're just like I have no idea where we're going next that's what sold me on the book the first time I read it was I have no idea where this is going. This book could do anything, say anything, show anything, go anywhere. And I would just, you just have to accept it as a reader and be like, this is where we're going. Like, this is the beat. At the end of the day, would I recommend Terror Salter to people? Absolutely. Would I recommend X Woman to people? Eh, you know, I, I would as well. I think people might enjoy Terror Salter more. <laughs> <laughs> I think I recommend Terror Salter to people that I think have like a pretty good sense of humor and kind of find obscene things funny. Like it's it's definitely not for the easy offended i guess i i I, yeah i guess i would recommend it to people that like would understand it for like its satire and like definitely see the humor to it because like you said it, it is written like the story is literally almost written by a child like it's the most childish book i've ever read as for x women i i really got a kick out of it uh i thought it was a I thought it was a really good x-men book i would definitely recommend it to people who like the x-men but i think i'd also recommend it to people that maybe 
are into kind of like that exploitation grindhouse scene like i i definitely picked up a lot of that and i think a lot of people that are into kind of 70s movies would kind of pick up on a lot of the influences to it and i think they would get a kick out of it as well so because these are the first two comic books we've looked at we have to rank them how would you rank these off bat as comic books i would probably put x women ahead right now i think it's a it's there's a lot i liked about it it has a it has a fun x-men story the art's amazing the color's great in it and i really love one shot books i i like i don't think there's anything better than when a uh comic team can do like a one shot that sets up the story and it has good action and it resolves the story and it can do all of that in one comic i think that's like such an art to do and i think that this x women does like an amazing job at that so i i would put it ahead of terror assaulter yeah terror assaulter i i i still love it i i think it's an amazing book and it's just so weird and it stands on its own and i don't know what you could compare it to for me, it's it's such a toss-up because X-Women has way better art, way better story. Like, as a piece of artwork and literature, it's way better than Terror Salter. But Terror Salter, as just an entertaining medium that you get to sit down take in, Terror Salter's more entertaining than X-Women. And so... Because of that, I would put Terra Salter before X-Women. Just, it's like just a smidgen. Like, I enjoyed this way more. Um, and that probably just says something about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get it. This is Adam. I hope you enjoyed listening to our first episode about comic books. It was a short, sweet one. Cody? Yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, I think we'll probably do another comic one soon. So hopefully you guys tune in for that as well. And don't forget... You can find us online through our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram, both at a kind of garbage. You can also email at us at a kind of garbage at gmail.com with any comments or questions. Be sure to check us out at a kind of garbage.com as well as our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash a kind of garbage, where you can get access to our discord channel and Patreon exclusive podcasts. Thank you again for joining us and be sure to tune in next time. So we've been recording a lot of podcasts the last few days and watching lots of movies. Tonight, I'm actually going to be recording another podcast for the Hey Kids Comics radio show that I normally do Friday nights. So we're going to be recording an episode and then that'll be posted online. So if you like comics, go to heykidscomics.ca and that will give you all the information for what else I do in my spare time. Cody, do you have anything coming up that you're doing? Uh, not too much. We're like, obviously, we're still filming this during the whole COVID-19 thing. So everything's been kind of slow, but I've just been kind of catching up on some books. And uh, I'm trying to think the last one uh, I, I pulled out of my shelf was a while ago, I bought the some of the issues of the Guido Creepex collection. And I'm trying to get through those, which they've definitely been interesting. They're a little all over the place because it's, it's just 
kind of an assorted collection of his works. Other than that, my girlfriend got me for my birthday the Criterion collection of the original Godzilla movies, and I've been slowly watching them and just loving them. Did you see the updates um, for the Prophet movie, Rob Liefeld's Prophet? <laughs> um, I did. I know I follow him on Twitter, which is almost painful at times like just his social media managing yeah he's he's saying that it's going forward but i honestly think like a lot of other liefeld stuff i think somebody has is just holding on to the rights to it just hoping to see if someone else wants to put the money into making it like i think people are just holding it hoping that someone wants to buy it off them instead of them making it if that movie comes out everyone just really needs to jump into their dollar bins and start grabbing those early issues yeah which i I read I've read a little bit of the Liefeld of the original like 90s prophet, which I guess is an interesting enough run, but it's Captain America. Like it's a it's a soldier frozen in who's like frozen in time and then thawed out. So the only interesting thing I've really seen with Prophet was like the Brandon Graham run, where it kind of takes the concept of a soldier being frozen in time and thawed out, and it just turns it into they've frozen clones of profit and he's almost like a you know like a break the glass in case of emergency thing so they're scattered all over the place on planets and on spaceships and everything and in case there's an emergency it kind of that's when one of the prophets is released and it's kind of like his job to solve that problem i can't recommend the 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 brandon graham issues of profit i can't recommend enough i thought it was such a cool idea 